Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Father Basil Nortz. Father is a member of the Order of Canons Regular of the Holy Cross. He has recorded numerous talks on silence and on the Holy Angels. And he has a new book out called Holy Silence, A Practical Guide to Recollection in God put out by Sophia Institute Press. And Father, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be with you. You know, it, it, it's refreshing to read the book because it's such a great reminder to each and every one of us, really just how noisy our lives are. You know, until you focus on that silence and that, you know, the ability to listen, uh, we get caught up in our own world and we just kind of get lost in the morass, don't we? Yes, it's a, it's a danger. It's um it's it's how, yeah the idea of the book is to call attention to the need for silence but also to help clarify the different types of silence because right. someone can think they're sitting in a chapel in silence and adoration but still inside their head they got all kinds of noise and so it's if to think about all the different types of silence it can be pursued well, and in your book, you go through 12 different types of silence, which, you know, you know, really it's in regards to our whole life, whether it's, you know, our conscience, whether it's our memory, you know, you go through a whole litany of different ways to look at our lives, to see and make sure there's silence. But you talk about the importance of listening. It's like silence and listening are kind of like peanut butter and jelly, right? They go together. Yes. If you do one without the other, you're just out of, tr- you're in trouble. Yes, yes. I mean, so silence is for the sake of listening. Listening is for the sake of obedience. I mean, the conformity of our our will to the will of God. So that's the ultimate goal is union with God, but through obedience. And you can only be obedient when we really hear the word of God and accept the word of God into our hearts. Well, and that's why, you know, the the deeper we go in our relationship with the Lord, right? The more attentive to his word we're going to be. We can meet somebody for the first time. We can't tell if they're being sarcastic or truthful because we don't really know them, right? But when we know the Lord, then we'll know it's coming from the Lord and not the evil one who likes to, you know, disguise himself as sometimes the word of truth as he sprinkles those little grains of truth in with his lies, right? Yes, yes. Is this, again, it's part of the... The benefit of true holy silence, as opposed to false forms of silence, is exactly the help in the discernment of spirits to recognize the voice of God as opposed to the enemy. Well, and I know reading like St. Teresa of Avila, right? Even when she thought it might be the word of God, she went to her spiritual director to make sure that she wasn't being duped. So, you know. Even if we're, you know, trying to be holy, like a holy saint, like St. Teresa of Avila, right? We need, we need to really make sure that it is the word of the Lord, because a lot of times we'll hear words that tell us exactly what we want to hear, that we think it is the Lord. And it's very seldom I always think that the Lord is ever going to say, you're perfect just the way you are, do whatever you're thinking, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you have to test the spirits, yes. So how did, and, you know, maybe you were always, you know, you're very attentive in your silence and listening, but how, how did going through the steps in this book that you put together help you grow 
grow in faith and holiness? Well, it's, yeah, I came across these, just my formation as a religious, and I've always come back to them as an examination of conscience. It's something that even giving conferences on this subject over the years, every time I give them, it's always a reminder for me as an always, because the idea is that our, our relation with God is in some sense is very simple, but in the end, it's we complicate things by our by the noise that we allow, we invite into our lives. And so for me, reflecting upon these forms of silence over the last over 30 years, I've, I've always just keep coming back and recognizing, oh, I have to work on this. I have to work on that. Always... Yeah, being challenged by these the goals because exactly because they help us in order to have clarity with regard to what obstacles may be in my life to really accepting fully more fully the the word of God in my life the accepting the will of God in my life it comes across when you read the book and it's a reminder, like everything's intentional, right? We have to decide this is what we're going to do. Like love, right? Love is, you know, to will the good of the other, right? It's something we have to decide we're going to do. And, and listening and that silence are the same things, right? It's not magic. It's something we have to really try to focus on and remind ourselves, as you were just talking about, as you give talks, it constantly reminds you. It's something we need to constantly remind ourselves because it's easy to get caught up in the noise and all the stuff in the world. because. We see it within the church, right? We see all the challenges within the church right now. We see challenges in our society. We can spend so much time listening to those things. It distracts us from listening to the Lord and really being quiet and letting the Lord talk to us when we have MSNBC or Fox or whatever on the news all the time trying to tell us all the bad things that are happening. This is obviously a great danger. The 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 world that we live in, is um, <laughs> it, it can very easily addict us to forms of noise. It's interesting in the book. I, I quote a um, the philosopher Kierkegaard, who says that the world is sick. And if I were a doctor, what I would prescribe is silence. So to bring the world to silence, because it will never really hear the word of God unless. It has silence. And he wrote that in the middle of the 19th century. So before radio and television and internet, <laughs> all, all the different forms of noise that we have nowadays were, were unknown to him. And yet already he recognized that was a danger. So, yeah, we live in a very challenging time because the world is, the, the technology is very uh, alluring. It's very convenient. And but it's also very addictive, and addiction is a kind of spiritual noise, and we have to recognize how these things can really be a distraction from the most important thing in our lives. Well, and you know, I've been focusing a lot on noise in terms of hearing things, but you know, you talk about many different aspects of it, and one of them, you know, the silence of the body. When you talk about the silence of the body. What do people need to remember about that in order to make they can focus on it and, and kind of restrict those distractions? Yeah, so it's in that 
type of silence I treat of the capital sin of sloth, which is achadia, which is misunderstood if we think that sloth as something of avoiding work, because being a workaholic is a time of as a type of sloth. It's the hyperactivity, but the hyperactivity that we pursue in order to flee from the difficulty of being silent with God. It's the challenge of really listening to God's word is not easy. As as you pointed out, we can very easily deceive ourselves in thinking that everything's okay with me. But the idea of placing ourselves in silence in the presence of God and truly listening to him is a frightening thing. And so many people immerse themselves in hyperactivity. So the silence of the body, because our spiritual life is intimately united with our corporal life, we need a silence. We have to cultivate silence of the body in the sense of avoiding hyperactivity and being dissipated in many things. You know, you also talk about uh, that I thought was real interesting and a reminder, and I think it, it can happen to us, especially when we're in adoration, potentially this, this silence of imagination, right? Where we can go back and, you know, for good or bad, look back at the past and be preoccupied with, you know, things that are sinful or things that were hurtful. And it, and it, it, keeps us from focusing on the present and what the Lord's asking of us today and not dwelling on the past. Yes. And something that St. John of the Cross mentions is that the memory, although it's very important to to remember the great things that our Lord has done, whether in the history of salvation and our our redemption through meditating upon the, the life of our Lord and the life of Our Lady, that's important, that kind of memory. And also remind, remembering the, the graces, the gifts that God has given to us to be grateful. But as you point out, there's also the danger of losing ourselves in past memories and, and escaping, again, the idea of being right now in the presence of God, here and now. God is offering us right in this moment a particular grace. And if I'm lost in the memories of the good old times or the bad old times, then I can lose the, the grace that God wishes to offer me at this moment. So again, it's a type of focusing, listening by being present to the present moment. Well, and I think one of the challenges we have in today's world and really within the church is that silence during Mass, right? That silence before Mass, that time for prayer after Mass, after receiving communion, right? We we tend to fill it with noise. And, and I know people have good intentions when they do a rosary before Mass, but it really does interrupt some of that silence when people want to come and just kind of focus on the Lord. And we really need to put that into practice everywhere in our lives, but particularly in the Mass where where Jesus is truly present there to us. And we're thinking about, I need to get out of here. Our kid's got a ball game or, you know, there's it's tons of people. There's traffic. We're going to lunch afterwards, whatever, whatever those things may be, right? That silence helps us to put, as you mentioned, put us in the presence of God. But really, 
be able to listen to the liturgy of the word as he's speaking to us and then really focusing on that silence when we're coming up to receive him in you know body blood soul and divinity yes yeah cardinal sara speaks of the importance when he was prefect for the congregation for liturgy he spoke about the need of having moments of silence within the mass to be able to help the faithful enter into the mystery and not just to have one song after the other have one activity after the other but really have a moment of silence that can penetrate but at times it's the faithful despite their best efforts to to look for a good mass a good mass i mean good mass is right. always good but yeah. sometimes it's just not possible to avoid a mass that's noisy in a certain sense but in that sense we could always we always have to cultivate the inner silence of our souls focusing ourselves on the mystery of the mass as a representation of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and we think about the cross where Jesus is offering the supreme sacrifice to God the Father of his life and there are people around shouting and cursing and blaspheming and challenging it and despite all this chaos around our Lord, Our Lady is at the foot of the cross, uniting herself per- perfectly with the sacrifice of Christ. So Our Lady gives us that that perfect model for our participation in the Mass. It doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter. I mean, it's obviously we want to find a Mass where the atmosphere is conducive. Sure. But if it's not... If it's not conducive, still we can focus on what our Lord is representing and uh, try to unite ourselves with our lady, uniting ourselves with what he's doing, which is being represented in every holy sacrifice of the mass and offering up the chaos that we have to endure in order to unite ourselves, be present to this great mystery. That's a great challenge. Well, and you mentioned the Blessed Mother and, you know, when she spoke, it it was very impactful, but she didn't spend her whole time speaking. We have the model of St. Joseph, right, who was who was faithful. We don't hear a word from him in Scripture, although we know he spoke. Um, But the fact is, the Holy Family, we always can come back to that perfect model for us in the Holy Family, whether it's this silence, this attentive attentiveness to the Lord, uh, you know, being part of a family, everything kind of it. The Lord put that example in front of us for us to pay attention to. And this, when I'm reading your book and when I read, you know, Carl, Cardinal Sarah's book, you know, The Power of Silence, uh, it just kept reminding me of what the Holy Family would have been like, that time of meditation and prayer while they were still all together, but still in tune with each other without having to speak, you know, words nonstop. Yeah, and so certainly Our Lady is the perfect example because as the fathers of the church say, she conceived the word first in her heart. And that conception of the word, the acceptance of God's word perfectly, gave to her word a certain power, a force. And so when she went on the, to the visitation, the mystery of the visitation, she goes to her cousin Elizabeth and she speaks the word of greeting, shalom. And with that word of greeting, that word becomes an efficacious word. St. John the Baptist leaps for joy 
because he receives that peace of Christ. I mean, some believe that that's the moment of the purification from original sin in John's soul through the instrumentality of simply because Our Lady's word is united with the eternal word. It has that efficacious power. I mean, it's, it's like the priesthood because of the uni uni union of the priest the ministerial priest to Christ's priesthood, it has the he has the power to say, "This is my body. This is my blood. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven." It's a efficacious word because of its union with the eternal word, and so the, the goal of our pursuit of silence is not uh, a kind of annihilation, annihilation of everything, but the fullness of being by silence is simply a way of removing the obstacles of our more perfect union with the fullness of God. Yeah, it reminds me, it's kind of like we need to get out of our own way, right? We live in a very narcissistic world where everybody's focused on themselves and, you know, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. And it reminds me when you talk about the silence of the heart and you talk about, you know, moodiness and different things of those sorts, it really is being at the service of the Lord as opposed to everything being at our service and being able to be silent and, and loving and joyful, even when our lives are uncomfortable and difficult, because we see the higher purpose of that union with Christ by embracing our cross. And if we, all we do is whine and complain about it, we really lose the, right, the gift and the graces the Lord is trying to give us at that time because of our noisiness, our moodiness, and our really self-interest and not being selfless as opposed to being selfish. Yes. And so what I try to offer in the book is, as I mentioned, an overview of, so a kind of examination of conscience, but an overview of the different types of noise can, that can be an obstacle, but at the same time, Defining the right balance because everything, all the different faculties of our soul, all the different potencies that we have, say, whether of the man, imagination or the senses or the memory or judgment and so on, are all very important things, very good things. But the purification of these things through silence in order to direct them is the great challenge that we're faced with. And so we have to avoid, I mean, for instance, there's um, holy silence, but there's also a type of unholy silence. If I try to punish someone, someone with silence by not speaking with them because I'm upset with them, well, this is silence is not proceeding from love. It's, a, it's, it's proceeding from anger. And that's not a holy silence. It's more of a noise. And so to find the right balance in each of the different types of silence is yeah, part of the great challenge of this observation of silence. Well, and you talk about that in the very beginning of the book when you say, you know, from the outset, it must be clear that silence is not our goal. So silence in and of itself isn't, you know, isn't what we're after. It's just the ability to draw closer and to listen to the Lord and to see things from his perspective and, and kind of get out of the way and let him lead us as opposed to us wanting to control everything, whether it's through our actions, minds, imagination, 
all those different aspects of our body. That's where we get in the way. So silence, as you mentioned, can be good, but it can be used for evil too, or it can be used as a distraction when we are thinking negatively and judging other people harshly. Yes, yes. So you, you've been putting this book into practice. You go about, and you, I think you do a lot of talks on this too, right? You go ahead and do uh, church missions probably or whatever you're doing. How, how has it been received when you go through this? And how, how have people, you know, embraced this, this gift of really a reminder of silence slash listening and prayer all together? Yeah, so I was ordained back in 95, and uh, as a young priest, I began preaching retreats. It's part of the mission of our religious community is to preach retreats for the lay people and also for religious and priest. And from the very beginning, this is one of the topics that I've used over and over again, and it's always been received very well in the sense that people recognize that it's very helpful to have this overview of the type of silence. I actually had one friend tell me that he at one point practically became addicted to the listening to the conferences over and over again because he found <laughs> it so helpful for him to examine his conscience. It's a kind of an examination of conscience. Well, it really is, and it, it gives us an opportunity, you know, by reading the book and just remind ourselves, you know, there's that, you know, examined prayer, right? At the end of every day, we can see how silent were we, right? How well did we listen? And how well did we, you know, try to get out of the way? And so it's something we can do on a regular basis to kind of just a checks and balances as to how we're doing. You know, what's the old saying? The Lord gave us two ears and one mouth to listen twice as much as you talk. Uh, sometimes we think that, but we don't realize how much we do talk. So that reflection on the course of a day can help us so we don't get so far in the weeds, we don't even know what listening and silence are, right? Yes, yes. But so, again, as you know, we mentioned before, I mean, the idea is one thing is the silence of speech, which is very fundamental. But even if we are able to bridle the tongue, as St. James says, still the thoughts continue and the con interior conversations continue and the judgments continue and so on. So that's the great challenge. Well, but like anything else, right, as we mentioned before, it does take effort and we can't get discouraged if, you know, we're sitting in adoration and we have a noisy adoration, right? Our mind just won't calm down. It doesn't mean don't go back. It just means we have to continue to try to focus on that because there will be times where we are very attentive and we will be open to what the Lord says. So it's it's a very we have to be persistent and and not quit like the evil one is always trying to get us to do. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's the thing is a noisy, as you say, adoration time where we are finding ourselves constantly distracted. The idea is to elevate those distractions, form those distractions into a conversation with our Lord. So if there's something really um, concerning, I mean, preoccupying us, to make those preoccupations part of our, our, our conversation, our, our friendship with our Lord, we discuss them with him in 
the time of prayer. And so it's not a distraction from prayer, but it's part of the content of prayer. So it's part of the redirecting things and elevating them to our Lord. Well, I think that's the beauty of the book, right? It reminds us that when we kind of get out of bounds, that we can redirect instead of just thinking it was a total failure, we received nothing out of it. It really can be a great teaching moment for us. And so that reminder of the model of the Virgin Mary in terms of, you know, her her quietness, yet her very attentive and how, you know, she pondered things in her heart, even when she didn't understand them, really is the model for each and every one of us, because we're not God, we're not going to understand everything. But to spend time and kind of let it marinate in our mind and let the Lord lead us to where he's bringing us, you know, a little bit at a time, it really requires great patience, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And also, yeah, the idea of the interior peace that comes from our trust in God and his mercy, that all things work for the good, for those who trust and love God. And St. Augustine says that that includes even our failings. God will is capable of drawing good out of everything. And that's, again, it's another type of silence is that trust in God's providence that he has, we, we cannot possibly confound him with our, with, uh, with our wicked, wickedness, even if we are wicked. He always has a way of bringing some good out of it. And so it's, again, part of the, it's a type of silence of to be free of the anxieties, the, as you say, they come from the enemy who is trying to push us into a corner and make us feel that things are lost when, in fact, nothing is lost with God. All things can be, can work for the good if we trust in him. Well, and I think, you know, reading this book, I, I would highly recommend families get it. It's it's a great opportunity to to spend time as a family. You know, you can read one chapter at a time and just spend time as a family focusing on this silence because the more we can educate our children and and lead them by example to our lord then right the the, the holier our, holier our families will be and the more faithful and we won't be as distracted from the outside world will we yes yes and that's i mean it's a great challenge for parents to raise their children to appreciate silence in our present world. It's, it's because the world is so noisy. And so it's uh, it would be wonderful if the book can help families in that sense of helping form their children to be more vigilant against the dangers that are out there. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. 